English anthology with its pages splayed and crushed against the floor. In the hallway, he pressed his forehead against the cold tile wall. His breathing was fast and hungry, as if he'd just come up from under the deep gray slick of the ocean. He could hear Mrs. Muggeridge serenely reading on. We have lingered in the chambers of the sea, by sea-girls wreathed with seaweed red and brown, till human voices wake us and we drown. He felt like he was going to faint, but at least the poem got something right. Maybe he'd survived the sinking of the dear Melissa, but he still felt like he was drowning all the time. Every time his alarm clock went off, he lunged bolt upright in bed gasping for air. When the class finally poured out into the hall, he straightened himself and trailed after them to chemistry. It was such a suffocating, sleepy, ragtag school with only 60 students and three teachers. His high school in the Chicago suburbs had been 20 times the size of this place. Everything felt crushingly small. Other students turned to stare at the two men in dark suits standing near a drinking fountain, but Dorian didn't notice them. He was concentrating on fighting the wobbly sensation of the floor. The men noticed him, though. Their eyes tracked him intently as he walked away, sometimes leaning on the row of lockers. A few minutes later, Mrs. Muggeridge emerged, gray corkscrew curls bobbing absurdly above her head as she chattered to another teacher, the scarlet frames of her glasses flashing like hazard lights. I suppose I'm behind the times. Apparently now it's politically incorrect to make your students read poems with mermaids that don't kill people. What a thing to get so upset about. The suited men glanced at each other, and followed her. Dorian kept trying to draw the girl he'd seen. If he could set the memory down in black ink, slap it to the paper once and for all, then maybe he could finally get her out of his head. He drew exceptionally well, but every time he finished a new picture, he couldn't escape the feeling that something was missing. The drawing he was working on now showed a towering wave with a single enormous eye gazing out from under the crest. The eyelashes merged with curls of sea foam. He couldn't understand why he hadn't been afraid at the time. The fear had come much later, after he was obviously safe, and the fits of nauseous terror that seized him were infuriatingly senseless. But when the ship was actually crashing, wrenching up under his feet and people were dying all around him, he'd felt perfectly composed and confident. He also didn't know where the instincts that had saved him had come from. If he'd done even one thing differently, he knew he wouldn't be the sole surviving passenger of the dear Melissa. He'd be as dead as the rest of them, as dead as his whole family. If he hadn't faced down that girl in the waves, or that thing that wasn't a girl, not really, but a monster with a beautiful girl's head and torso, if he hadn't sung her own devastating song right back at her, then it would have been all over.
she would have murdered him without a second thought. But sitting under the cold, fluorescent lights of the chemistry lab, he knew that singing in the middle of a shipwreck had been a bizarre impulse. Inexplicable. How had he known? Who would have ever guessed that the way to stop a mermaid from killing you was to sing at her? She dragged him out from the wreckage, swimming away with him clasped in one arm. They'd raced at such speed that the blood had shrieked in his head. The foam-striped water had rushed across his staring eyes. He'd struggled not to inhale it, but he'd failed again and again. Salt burned his lungs, and the cold water in his chest swelled into a bursting ache. But every time he'd thought that he was really going to drown, she'd pulled him up above the surface and let the water hack out of him, fountaining down his chest.